Good afternoon, y'all, and welcome to the Janae Franco Show. I am thrilled to be back with y'all today. It has been a very long month, and it was not in my plans to not have a podcast for a month, but um, there was just some unexpected pivots and then some sickness, which involved me losing my voice. Um, And I think there was also a... God had some things for me in the rest and in the slowing down. And although some of it was me reacting a little bit um, out of stress, I know some of it also was just such a joy to kind of reset and spend some time with God and spend some more time with my family and just in the quiet. So uh, what's exciting is things are a lot quieter around here. Renovations are almost done. So hopefully I will not have to pivot nearly as much in the future. And I'm working on a new space, a new area where I can podcast. So I look forward to having that before too long. But until then, uh, here I am. So I wanted to talk about perfectionism four weeks ago, and I still want to talk about it because I think it is really, really important that we have this conversation. So for me, (coughs) um, a lot of the pivoting in my life brings up this issue or difficulty that I have with wanting things to be perfect. So in my mind, pivoting has a high correlation to perfectionism. I kind of hate pivoting. I've only called it pivoting for probably the last year. I would have often said I hate transitions or I hate change. Um, Not always, but often I resisted that. Uh, Because to me, if I had to change my course, if I had to change direction, that meant that I had failed at something. And failure to me meant that I had disappointed other people or I had not lived up to my own facade of perfection uh, so others could see the real me or my mistakes or other things. So I want to talk a little bit more about that today. So we'll just go ahead and get started with the five ways that perfectionism is holding you back. Obviously, there's probably more than five ways, and this is not going to be extensive, but this is just the things that I um, prayed about and thought about as far as the things that have held me back the most. So the first way that it holds us back is that we live as though perfection is the goal. Maybe we had high striving parents that taught us to just put our best out there. And somehow we interpreted our best as being completely perfect. And if we weren't perfect, we failed. Uh, Maybe that's a standard from someone else. Maybe that's a sibling or another close friend in our lives or a teacher or something like that. Uh, But that is someone else's standard. And so we hold ourselves to the standard of someone else. Maybe we feel like we need to be perfect with God and that becomes the goal instead of being real and instead of being vulnerable with him. So I'm going to go over a few definitions because my mindset coach has been really good about challenging me to think about what these words mean. Words are really important. And sometimes we have these associations with the words that are not necessarily true or they're not true in that situation. So the first word is failure. So how do you define failure? We are all going to define failure maybe a little bit differently. When it comes to the actual definition of failure, it is the omission of expected or required action. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty neutral. I have a lot more drama around failure uh, in my head than that. Often it is something I avoid at all costs. 
I might even not do something in order to avoid failing because I want it maybe to be perfect or just right. <coughs> so another, another definition of failure is a lack of success. So what is success? What's your definition of success? And these are things that you can think about, journal about, um, and just think about that in, in perspective of your own life. So success is the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. So that aim could be putting, running the dishwasher before you go to bed at night, right? It does not have to be make a million dollars in a year or have a giant house or be able to take a vacation to the beach every year or something like I think sometimes we can put success into this like really big distant thing, or maybe that athletes or actors or actresses or even other people in our life that we might want what they have or something like that, that that would be that attainment of that fame or that wealth or that social status. Like that is what we seek in success. So another thing when it comes to failure and success is what, is your definition of perfect? What is the definition of perfection? So we probably also all have our own definitions of perfection. Um, but the actual definition of perfection is the condition, state, or quality of being free or as free as possible from all flaws or defects. That is not humanly possible. <clears throat> so perfectionism is an illusion. It is chasing after wind, as uh, King David would say. It's, it's not even possible. So it's interesting to me that I and many of us are so stuck on this idea of perfectionism as being this goal that we're trying to reach. One thing that really, really began to shift my focus on this is January Donovan's The Woman's School. <clears throat> it is an amazing, amazing experience. Uh, and one of the things she teaches is progress over perfection. I had never heard this before. I don't know if she's the original person that said it because I've heard it on my you know, Peloton classes or whatever, but <clears throat> progress over perfection. It is just a skill to learn how to see our circumstances, the things around us, the, the way that we're responding to things, our thoughts, all of those things as pro progression, progression of things and not being perfect at them. So it's a skill. It's, it's learnable. We're not stuck in this place of seeing perfection as a goal. So the second way that it holds you back is that it makes us focused only on ourselves. Okay. It puts us in a state of ungodly self-reliance. That's a major vice that I have uh, been really uncovering in the last six months or so when I began doing the Metanoia Catholic Journal, which I talk about pretty much every podcast and you might as well just get used to it because these people are incredible and they're changing my life every day. So when we are able to bring our thoughts and put those thoughts on paper in the way that the journal exercises encourage us to, it puts it into a perspective where you can easily see, and you're learning about virtues and vices, and you can easily see how you are, or we are relying on ourselves instead of relying on God. And now we do this for a lot of different reasons. I may have talked about this before, but it is sometimes it can come from a trauma in the childhood, like a wound in the childhood or um, our own experience as a child or any experience at all. Uh, it can come from that. So the reason this is bad is because the focus or it's not preferable is because if the focus is on ourselves, then we're not focusing on God. We're not focusing on the people around us in a way of serving and loving them 
as best as we can. We're more focused on what we can get out of a situation or how we can feel or getting our emotions balanced or getting our lives together. And we're unable to give generously. So we're living in this scarcity mindset. And so we're just holding on to things as tight as we can. So we don't live abundantly and generously as the gospel calls us to. So what are our true intentions when it comes to perfectionism? Um, Often it, it means that we are rejecting ourselves as we really are. So what we want to do is see this version of ourselves that's not reality. I love how Father Jacques Philippe talks about this in The Way of Trust and Love. He says, if we accept ourselves as we really are, we also accept God's love for us. But if we reject ourselves, if we despise ourselves, we shut ourselves off from the love God has for us. So we deny that love. That is an incredible statement. We read that first part again. If we accept ourselves as we really are, we also accept God's love for us. But if we reject ourselves, if we despise ourselves, we shut ourselves off from the very love that God has for us. We deny that love. I think if you're here listening, you don't want to be that person that is rejecting the love of God. How often have we seen our perfectionism, our need for doing things on our own, relying on ourselves as a way of rejecting God's love for us? I would really invite you to to meditate, to pray about that, because that is a huge game changer in the way that we treat ourselves and the way that we treat the people around us. Father Jacques Philippe goes on to say, sometimes we are unhappy with ourselves because we have made a mistake or fallen into that fault that humiliates us. So we are really annoyed with ourselves. That makes us bad-tempered and even aggressive with others. What does this mean? Just that we make others pay for our difficulty in accepting our own inner poverty. We make others pay for our difficulty in accepting our inner poverty. I want to talk about this a little bit as it comes to parenting. Okay. Before I was made aware and started dealing with a lot of the healing that I went through, I've talked through before, I made my children pay for my own inner poverty because I was having difficulty accepting my weakness, my need for God, my need for others in my life. I was having trouble accepting his love. And so just like he says, you you makes us bad tempered and even aggressive with others. I was angry. Uh, I, I took that anger out on my kids because I wasn't dealing with it. That is my why. That is one of my whys as to why I will work so hard at perfectionism, at these other things that I really struggle with. And I want the same for you because that, that my friends, that is where we are striving for sainthood in our lives today. That is how we are going to make it to heaven. And we're going to fight the battles that we were meant to fight us, that we fight them. We don't leave them for our kids to fight. Now, obviously, if you're unaware or you don't know what you're going through, like that's a different thing because God's gentle with us. He's not going to bring it all to the surface at one time. Uh, There's been quite a few times in my life where I think about a moment a year or two ago or whatever, a long time ago. And I'm like, oh man, I can see where that was wrong when maybe I didn't see it was wrong at the time. 
because my conscience has changed. It's been formed better. And so it's super important that we form our consciences, that we don't just shut this down. Anyway, I could go on this tangent for a long time, but I want you to think about this focus on ourselves, um, dealing with these wounds, dealing with these hurts. This is how we're going to change the world around us. This is how we're going to accept God's love. This is how we are not going to pass our wounds onto our children. This is how we're not going to give them the anxiety that we felt that I've watched my 10 year old almost. Well, she's not 10. I keep wanting to make her 10. My nine-year-old daughter um, work through because I now she could have had a propensity for it, but I know that I passed along some of that anxiety to her because I wasn't dealing with my own stuff and she never knew what I wasn't regulating my own emotions so I couldn't help her regulate hers. And so that's something that obviously I'm working really hard to change. And I think it's just really important that we spend some time with that. So do that. Spend some time with that idea of accepting who you are, where you are in your perfection journey. Even if you're really struggling with it and you don't know how to let it go, that's okay too. That's really okay too. God sees us where we are and he meets us where we are and he gives us who we need and what we need to get through that. So the next one. Living in perfectionism can hold us back because we live in constant fear or anxiety. Dr. Botero in his book, The Mindful Catholic, which was just super fun. I mean, I loved it. Um, he talks about this fight, flight, or freeze response. This is not just his concept. Obviously, it's just psychology in general. But it's about that need to get from point A to point B, right? <coughs> it was created to save our lives. Because if there is something that's happening, like a grizzly bear chasing us, we are thinking, okay, we got to get out of this situation. But what's happening is in our world today is our brains are so skewed that we are responding out of fight, flight, or freeze in multiple moments of our lives where our lives are not in danger, right? So maybe it's that you left your report at home and you're going to be a a few minutes late to class so you can go around and get it or your laptop at home and you're going to be a little bit late for work. And so um, you might go into that mode where instead of being able to just be, instead of being able to be in the moment with God, then we're constantly going, we're constantly thinking, we're trying to constantly save ourselves or rescue ourselves from a situation. So that is a result of trying to be in this perfectionism mindset. Also, just this fear of not being enough. I know I've had this fear. I've talked to many women who also have this fear that they're not going to be enough. And the thing is, we're not. Like, you are enough. I don't know if you've seen it on, on coffee mugs or um, whatever, all over Instagram, anywhere like that. Stephanie Weiner wrote a beautiful post about this recently. You are enough. It's a lie because we're not enough. We weren't made to be enough. We were made to be completely reliant on our creator. And in that, and in that beautiful relationship, that's where we find our strength. This verse from 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 9 has just really, God has just been giving that to me for years now. And I feel like I'm just, probably it's going to be my anthem for my life. God's power is made perfect in weakness. It's, I think before that, it's my, my grace is enough for you for God's power is made perfect in weakness. But to me, I just could not understand, and I'm beginning to, what is meant by that. 
the more I acknowledge my weakness, the more I acknowledge my imperfection, the more I can let God's love into my heart and into my life. The more I focus on myself and, and, and self-reliant and all those things, the more or the less God can come into my life and into my heart. And that's not what I want. Father Jacques Philippe talks about our imperfections, right? However many imperfections we have, rather than lament them and try to rid ourselves of them at any price, like I've been definitely caught doing, they could be splendid opportunities to make good progress in humility as well as confidence in God and his mercy, and thus in saintliness. We are sad and discouraged so much because God was, wait, we are not sad and discouraged so much because God was offended but because the ideal image that we have of ourselves has been brutally shaken. Our pain is very often that of wounded pride. And this is from Father Jacques Philippe, Searching for and Maintaining Peace. I don't know about y'all, but that really resonates with me. How often am I embarrassed because my behavior in front of a friend or a coworker or my spouse or my kids is embarrassing to me. And it causes me to start ruminating and shame. I judge myself saying I shouldn't do that. I should know better. All those things. I mean, the shoulds are just awful. That's not what we're talking about today, but it just causes you to ruminate, go down this path, as opposed to finding yourself in that situation and saying, you know what? I am pretty miserable without you. So God, just send your grace, send your grace to be with me. Sometimes for me, that's involved. I apologize to my kids before I'm ready. Like, you know what? I really shouldn't have done that. Do you forgive me? And that has been one of the biggest helps in dealing with my anger or yelling at my kids or um, just disappointment or whatever is to just not keep harping on the same thing. Because really it was my pride that was hurt. (coughs) Um, And this fear of rejection too. Uh, for those of us that that might be a wound or needing approval from others. We don't want other people to see our weaknesses. We don't want them to see how imperfect we are because that would shake our image of them, of uh, of us in their minds. And we don't want that. We want to seem perfect to them because that's safer. So that's, I just really, I invite you to reflect on that. God's power is made perfect in weakness. It's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. What does that mean to you? Does that come easily to you? Maybe it does. Um, maybe it's a difficult thing for you to understand, but I encourage you like continue to sit with it because God's got something for you in it. He has really helped me to see how often he doesn't want my perfection. He just wants me as I am. So the fourth way that we are held back by our perfectionism is that we believe we've earned it. Now this excuse me, get a little bit of water. This was one that I discovered maybe about a year ago. I had always heard the story of the prodigal son and it never resonated with me because I wasn't that kid. I'm not saying that I haven't been the prodigal son to some degree, right? But my story is not that I went off and partied or Um, Did a lot of things in that realm of like drunkenness and partying and uh, letting myself loose or anything like that. Um, I just kind of always did the right thing. I just always followed God. And 
This perspective from Henry Nouwen, I'm going to read from his book, The Return of the Prodigal Son. He talks about the prodigal son, the elder son, and the father. And it is incredibly beautiful, all of the insights that he shares about this painting in particular, but also this parable, this story. And since then, I just can't unhear it. So I'm going to read it for you today. And I want you to think about if this is something that you identify with as well. The lostness of the elder son, however, is much harder to identify. After all, he did all the right things. He was obedient, dutiful, law-abiding, and hardworking. People respected him, admired him, praised him, and likely considered him a model son. Outwardly, the elder son was faultless. But when confronted by his father's joy at the return of his younger brother, a dark power erupts in him and boils to the surface. Suddenly, there becomes glaringly visible a resentful, proud, unkind, selfish person, one that had remained deeply hidden, even though it had been growing stronger and more powerful over the years. Condemnation of others and self-condemnation. Self-righteousness and self-rejection keep reinforcing one another in an ever more vicious way. It's a spiral. One of the things that I started to realize was <clears throat> my lostness was hidden under what I thought was virtue. The reason why I followed God sometimes <clears throat> wasn't necessarily out of love or desire for him. It was this desire to be perfect, to check all the boxes, to appear as though I wasn't doing anything wrong. The righteousness that comes from feeling like, well, at least I'm not doing that whatever that is, you know, I'm sure we've all been there. Um, the brokenness of that self-rejection, um, acknowledging, like knowing somehow that there was something deeply wrong with that, but it's hidden under this virtue of being hardworking, of being dutiful, of doing the right thing. And <clears throat> it's just vicious when you start down that cycle where you're condemning others, but then you're condemning yourself. I mean, the elder son wouldn't even go in. He wouldn't celebrate. And the father says to him, you know, all that I have is yours. You just have to ask, you know? And I remember thinking, how many times have I asked? Or have I just assumed that doing all of these things, I was going to earn the father's love for me? There's not a whole lot more damaging than that mindset. So do you feel like you're you're having to earn the Father's love for you? Is there a piece of you that feels that? Don't be ashamed of it. <clears throat> That's the first thing I would say. The more shame that we feel, uh, if we let ourselves go you know, beyond, obviously, there's remorse that brings you to confession for these things. But then there's, there's shame where you, you just beat yourself up and you go in circles and circles and ruminate. And that's not helpful. So think about that. Is there some element of your life where... You're hiding under this righteousness where in reality you feel like you've earned something and that God is, you know, you're, you're trying to turn in your card to like earn God's love. Like it doesn't work that way. God's love is, is abundant and free and we have it makes nothing to do with us, nothing to do with us earning it, which brings me <clears throat> to the fifth one. 
Perfectionism cuts us off from God's mercy. Again, Father Jacques Philippe, he's got so much good stuff going here, but (coughs) we would like to present ourselves to the Lord when we are presentable, well-groomed, and content with ourselves. In effect, we'd like to bypass the need for mercy. So perfectionism cuts us off from God's mercy. Because if we are thinking that we're going to earn this, we're going to be perfect and um, somehow earn that love, affection, attention, whatever it is that we need. What's, what's the point? What's, what's God's mercy? What's the point in that? Why do we need that? If we're not weak, why do we need him? If we're not sick, why do we need a physician? If we're not, you know, what does he say? I came to heal the sick, not the righteous. So the more we can acknowledge how weak we are, how sick we are, how much we need the divine physician, the more he can flood his mercy into our hearts. Father Jacques Philippe again says, true sanctity, on the contrary, is to increasingly recognize how much we absolutely depend on his mercy. It's essential that we acknowledge this need for mercy in our lives, because if we can't, then we can't receive it. We can't open ourselves to God's love because he is love. He is mercy for us and for everyone else. So one on this, this retreat, or I don't know, this class I was listening to, I guess you could say it was a St. Catherine Siena Institute with Sherry Waddell. And I don't remember the priest's name. It it talks about charisms of the Holy spirit. And she was talking about judgment. What are our, what are, you know, our definition? What's the definition of judgment for us? And for me, I saw God, often as his judgment as like this pointing finger and this looking down on me and being like, all right, well, have you performed? Have you done it? Have you earned it? Let me see your report card, you know? And for some reason, like that's, that's how I saw God's judgment. And she said something that just really stuck with me, uh, whether I've gone to confession or when I mess up or whatever it is. And she said, God's judgment is mercy. I'd like you to reflect on that maybe in your prayer time. Like, what does it look like if we see his judgment, not as a stern teacher disciplining us, but a loving father who just wants us to come back to him? He knows, like he knows. It's like we're children again, right? You know, your kids are going to mess up. I mean, they're going to spill stuff and break things and, you know, yell at their siblings or hit their sibling, whatever, all those things. They're kids, right? So we don't expect as much different ages, obviously, she should expect more, but um, so we can place ourselves as a child again to say, you know what, messed up, you know, not judge ourselves so harshly, just get curious maybe about why and just come back, come back to confession. Just keep on going back because that is the ultimate sacrament of healing, you know, is don't be afraid of it because you're worried about being judged. Go back for his mercy. He's dying to, I mean, he died to give it to us, right? So he wants us to have it. His power is made perfect in our weakness, in our neediness, in our need for him. You know, a beautiful podcast today, or I guess it wasn't today. It was the most recent one from Abiding Together. And they're talking about the, I think, wounds of the daughter. Maybe it was this week. Either way, they're talking, it's the daughter series. And, And Heather is talking to Sister Miriam, uh, she continues to come back to the Father. She continues 
to say, okay, I thought I was done. I need more. Okay. I thought I was done. I need more. And even in my own life, this is something I've been struggling with the last few weeks is feeling like I should be at a particular place or I should have gotten this by now, right? Like those are some of the thoughts that I've been journaling in the journal about. Um, and hopefully we'll probably get some coaching on tomorrow because I could use some. Um, and she's like a child, you know, and I want to be more like a child. Like I just keep coming back. You know what, God, I'm not going to put any expectations on myself. This is, you are in charge. I just want to keep saying yes. I just want to keep placing myself in front of you. And that leads me to, you know, this quote from Father Jacques Philippe, and this is from In the School of the Holy Spirit. God calls us to perfection, but he is not a perfectionist. And perfection is reached not so much by external conformity to an ideal as by an inner faithfulness to God's aspiration. That word, those words, inner faithfulness. Yes, saying yes, just like Mary did. We are called to say yes. And I don't remember which podcast or course or something. I do so many Metanoia Catholic things right now. I can't keep them straight because I'm either listening to the Academy or Purgative Way, uh, coaching training or the podcast. But they were talking about how really the only thing that we have control over is our reaction to like what we say to when God has gives us a mission, gives us a, you know, an inclination or whatever. It's we say yes. We obviously we have to take action, but we're not in control necessarily of what happens uh, by taking action. We're not in control of other people for sure. The only thing we can control is ourselves, our own thoughts, our own reactions to things. But that was really powerful for me because I thought, okay, that takes a lot of the pressure off. You know, perfectionism makes me feel like I'm in control of the whole situation. But then there's all this pressure that just gets piled on top of it because if I'm in control, then I can't like not be perfect about it. So, um, and then it's just this vicious cycle. I'm like, well, I have to be perfect. Well, then I'm not perfect. So then what do I do with that except for shove it down and then like let it spiral into shame because I'm not perfect. So um, I'm doing that thing where I start talking fast when I get excited. But the important thing to keep in mind in all of this is to remember why this matters. If we are onto ourselves, if we are aware of what we're doing, of how we're acting, of, of how we are responding, and especially in like specific situations, we can begin the process of allowing grace to change our hearts. If we're not aware, we can't do anything about it. You know, so if you're like me and if you heard something new today that maybe you weren't aware of before, do not be discouraged if you start seeing it in your life. I went through a kind of a phase like this too, when I was first made aware of so many things uh, I was starting to see, especially at the beginning of the woman's school when it was just a lot of information. And um, I was realizing how self-reliant I was and how self-conscious I was and how much confidence I didn't have that I wanted to have and all of these things. And I wanted to change everything at one time. And I just had to kind of get to this point where I was like, you know what? Awareness is a good thing. It means that I can start to make changes doesn't mean I'm not going to yell at my kids. It means when I do, can I get curious about that either in that moment or later that night in my examine? Can I get curious about why? Can I address the root issue? Can I allow God to speak that to my heart so that I can get healing 
from him because ultimately we can't change ourselves. We can think to ourselves, we don't want to be a perfectionist all day long, but if we don't actually start to learn how to change our thoughts about those things uh, from people that from mindset coaches or from spiritual directors or from counselors, really good, especially Catholic counselors. Um, those are the ways that we are going to make the big changes by those small actions in those moments <clears throat> is getting curious. It's observing without judging yourself. So I just encourage you today as you go about your day, if you've heard something new, try to resist that urge to judge yourself. Just get curious, take some notes, maybe journal about it <clears throat> and see how it's connected and why it's connected and what that maybe God is asking for you to place at his, at the foot of his cross, you know, to say like, I can't, I can't do this alone. I can't, I need your help. And he will give you what you need. He will definitely, he will definitely do that. He will follow through. If he brings you to it, he will definitely give you what you need to, to go through it, whether that's community, um, the grace to desire more time with him, whatever that looks like. So <coughs> sorry about that. It has been a joy to be with you guys today. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, but I want to encourage you. If you are not following my YouTube channel, go ahead and click subscribe, share it with a friend. That would mean so much to me. You can follow me on Facebook as well on my Facebook page. Uh, you can find me at JanaeFranco.com. There should be most links to anything on there. You can join my email list for a freebie uh, I've got on how to deal with stress and anxiety. And I'll be talking a lot about some things coming up soon with my journey with the Purgative Way Catholic Coaching Program with Metanoia Catholic. I have been in it for a few weeks now, and it has just been such a gift to be able to learn more about Catholic coaching and what it is. And if you have questions, feel free to email me. I am, I am definitely looking for clients. I would love to work with you if uh, mindset is something that you really want to work on, and especially with that Catholic anthropology. So I hope you guys have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. God bless.